Hello, and welcome back to Horror Story Podcast. I'm your host, Trish, and this week I get to combine two of my favorite things, spooky history and cats, more specifically, black cats. This episode, I'm going to cover how the black cat got such a bad rep and how they became synonymous with all things witchy and Halloween-y. Black cats have long been associated with bad omens and witchcraft, but it wasn't always that way. Cats, especially black cats, used to be revered. The ancient Egyptians saw cats as companions, the representation of the divine, and a vessel to assume in the afterlife. The Egyptians also worshipped two goddesses that took the form of cats, Sekhmet and Bastet. Cats were beloved and considered an integral part of daily life. In Egypt, cats of all coats were welcome into the home, where they were thought to bring prosperity, fertility, and luck. They were also experts at keeping any and all creepy-crawly pests away, including snakes and scorpions. I can't even imagine what my cats would do if they saw a snake. They can barely kill a spider. They just kind of bat at it with their paw. In paintings found in the walls of tombs, our feline friends were depicted chasing birds and playing. They were also commonly shown sitting under the chair of a woman, which was believed to represent fertility. And speaking of tombs, cats were occasionally mummified and placed in tombs with their owners in hopes that they, or a god, could use the cat as a vessel to inhabit in the afterlife. Egyptian royals held their feline companions in such high regard that they would allow them to eat off their plates and even adorn them with gold. This custom trickled down to the Egyptian lower class, and while they couldn't afford to gift their kitties with gold, they made and wore their own feline-inspired trinkets. The Egyptians really have me out here feeling like, as a pet owner, I'm just not up to snuff. I mean, my cats, we have three, are well-spoiled, but I'm not out here giving them gold chains. (laughs) I'm gonna have to step my game up, I guess. Even though everything was faring well for the cat in Egypt, the ancient Greeks were about to depict the cat in a way that would later become our four-legged friend springboard into all things witchy and wicked. And it's all because Zeus was just a fuckboy. In Greek mythology, Zeus is the god of the sky and thunder, king of the gods. He was also a major player who just could not keep it in his pants. You see, Zeus was married to Hera, but he was sneaking around with Alcmene. Zeus fathered a child with Alcmene. You may have heard of him, Hercules. While Alcmene was in labor with Hercules, Hera instructed her daughter, Alethea, the goddess of childbirth, to sit outside of Alcmene's bedroom with her legs crossed, held together by both of her hands with fingers interlaced. Holding this position allowed Alethea to delay Alcmene's birth for days. She did this in hopes that the delay would allow the birth of Zeus's grandson, Eurystheus, to happen before Hercules's. If this happened, Eurystheus would become the ruler of the city of Mycenae, leaving Hercules to be a mere underling. So after days of Alcmene laboring with baby Hercules, her servant and midwife, Galinthius, who was said in some accounts to have been aided by the Furies... Man, I love when I get to do a full friggin' circle moment on the pod. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, well then go listen to episode two after this one so you can learn all about the Furies. So, Galinthius decided to trick Alethea by falsely announcing the baby's birth, 
Alicia was so startled that she unclasped her hands and rose to her feet. By doing so, she allowed Hercules to be born, foiling Hera's plan. Hera was super pissed and decided that as punishment for Galinthius's loyalty to Alcmene, she was going to turn her into none other than a cat. The goddess Hecate, who was the god of magic, spells, and you guessed it, witchcraft, took pity on Galinthius's purry new form and adopted her as a companion and familiar. And this, as mentioned before, is one of the first, if not the first, association of cats with witches. Doing a big old fast forward here into the Middle Ages, as things had shifted from polytheism to monotheism, which if you have no idea what the fuck I mean by any of that, it's basically when people decided to stop worshipping many gods that each represented different things to solely praising one god who was totally omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, etc., And more specifically at this time, I'm referring to the medieval European love affair with Christianity and Catholicism and its determination to snuff out any and all religions that it saw as direct competition. This included paganism. At this time, there were what were considered heresies popping up all over and challenging the Catholic Church and the very idea and structure of Christianity. Pope Gregory IX began the Papal Inquisition to uncover heresy religious groups, Among those targeted were rumored Luciferian cults and witches. Witches were already viewed in a negative light, but now it was decided that since Satan worked through other heretics, what's to stop him from working through witches? So witches and those associated with them were now heavily targeted. And Pope Greg meant business. He not only targeted witches, but cats as well. In her book, Broth from the Cauldron, A Wisdom Journey Through Everyday Magic, Sarah Dwin Fallingstar sweet friggin' name, by the way, writes that as a direct threat to the Christian church, witches were hunted, persecuted, tortured, and killed. Since witches typically have an affinity for animals and plants and try to live at peace with the world around them, their association with cats was inevitable. Saridwin takes it further with an interesting interpretation. Women who practice witchcraft and cats alike tend to not be very respectful or receptive to authority. They're both independent creatures. And for the church, neither independent creature was to be tolerated here. Old Greg took it so far that in his decretal Vox and Rama that was established as canon law and guide of snuffing out any hint of Luciferianism in Germany, he called out cats, specifically black cats. It becomes a little unclear as to why black cats get linked with witches and eventually become the target here. Some think that it's because they may have been more frequently kept as companions or pets by witches since black cats can blend in with the night and potentially make better hunters, helping to rid the home of pests and rodents. Either way, Greg was raging. He claimed in his Vox and Rama that cats were an integral part of an initiation for new witches hoping to enter a coven. He said that the ritual basically entailed a pale, tall, and slender man sucking whatever faith in God you had left out, whatever the hell that means, then people would assemble and worship this cat statue that would magically come to life, there would be a wild-ass orgy, and then Satan would make an appearance, depicted as Edward from Twilight from the waist up, but a fluffy kitty from the waist down. (laughs) Sounds like a wild time. (laughs) He implored in his decretal that thou shall not suffer a cat to live. In other words, death to all cats. Cats, like witches, were being hunted, tortured, and burned alive. From being worshipped and adorned with jewelry in Egypt to being vilified and persecuted in Europe, 
Oh, how the mighty have fallen. While it's hard to say just how many cats were killed during this time, it was thought that it was enough to accelerate one of the most well-known pandemics in history. The bubonic plague. You see, cats were wonderful at killing rodents, and it's thought that without as many of them around to control the rodent population, the rodents were able to contribute to the spread of the plague at a much faster rate. Way to bite your nose to spite your face there, Greg. It was also around this time that the superstition that a cat crossing your path was a bad omen developed. Spanning from medieval times throughout the Renaissance period, cats were not only considered a witch's familiar, companion, partner in all things wicked, they could also be used as a vessel for the witch, and even Satan himself to inhabit. Seeing a cat out on the street or road crossing the path in front of you could signify that it was out on a mission from a witch, doing its bidding potentially out to cause you or someone else harm, or that it was the friggin' devil himself. And well, no one wants to cross paths with the devil, so yeah, eventually it just became commonplace and superstition that a cat crossing your path was bad news bears, or cats. These superstitions stayed with black cats up until the late 1800s, It followed them from Europe all the way to America, courtesy of everyone's favorite fun-loving, not uptight at all whatsoever party animals, the Puritans. It was said that when a witch was burned at the stake, her cat was to be executed as well. Black cats carried their superstition well into the 1900s, but around the time of World War II, their luck started to change. Even though they were being featured in early horror films at this time and becoming more prominent in popular culture, it was their integration with modern American Halloween aesthetics that gave the black cat a new lease on life. During this time, Americans featured black cats as part of their Halloween decorations, but not just to look cute or spooky, they actually featured them as a symbol of good luck. It was thought that if you displayed a black cat decoration on your door, it would protect you from any evil spirits that may come a-knockin'. And you may be wondering, well, how the hell did black cats become associated with Halloween in the first place? Great question. Let me answer that for you. As mentioned in episode three of my podcast, where I cover the history of haunted house attractions, a lot of American Halloween traditions were adapted from the Festival of Samhain, or Samhain, brought over courtesy of Scottish and Irish immigrants. In Celtic history, Samhain was observed from October 31st to November 1st and marked the end of the harvest season and the transition from the lighter period and seasons into the darker and colder half of the year. It was a time for winter preparations, harvesting crops, breeding or slaughtering livestock for food, and it served as the Celtic New Year. It was also said to be a time when the veil between the human and spirit worlds was lifted. There's a lot to cover on Samhain, and I'll definitely have an episode up at some point in time, but for now, I'm just going to focus on the feline connection here. There is a legend of Celtic origin, but it has been predominantly featured in Scottish folklore of the Catchy. The Catchy is described as a large black cat with a white spot of fur on its chest. The Catchy is said to steal the souls of the recently departed throughout the Scottish Highlands, trapping them in permanent purgatory. The Scots took many measures to prevent the Catchy from stealing souls and to avoid incurring its wrath. Since it was believed to have preferred warmth, the Scots would keep no fires lit near the departed in an attempt to keep the body and the room that it was in very cold. 
which I'm sure at the time also works wonders for the smell and help to slow down decomposition. So two birds with one stone there, my friends. They would also sprinkle catnip in other rooms of the house to keep the cat she distracted and prevent them from entering the room where the body was kept. On Samhain, people made sure to leave a saucer of milk outside their door for the cat she. It was thought that in doing so, your home would be blessed with good fortune. Those who did not would suffer illness, death, or a poor harvest next season. As with pretty much all Halloween or Samhain traditions that made their way over to America, time and poetic license turned the cat into a staple symbol of spooky season. Unfortunately, there is still some superstition and negative association with black cats that persists to this day, but thankfully it continues to dwindle. As long as black cats still maintain their spooky association with Halloween, there'll always be a stigma. Some shelters place a hold on all black cat adoptions during the month of October for fears of animal abuse. Black cats can actually wait for adoption about two to six days longer than any other breeds. However, black also happens to be a cat's most common coat color, leading to more shelter admissions. So while stigma might play a role, so does population. And fun fact, according to the National Institute of Health, the same genetic mutation that causes their fur to be black can actually make them better equipped at fighting off diseases like feline immunodeficiency virus. I myself own a black cat. His name is Salem Saberhagen. Ever since I saw Sabrina the Teenage Witch growing up, I always wanted a black cat named Salem. Cliché, I know, oh well. And he is the sweetest, wackiest little lap cat. I don't know, there's just something about black cats. There's just this little something extra to them. They always seem to be quirkier and zanier than any other cat. They're lots of fun. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10. All right, that concludes this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next time, and stay spooky, friends. <laughs>